Welcome, everybody. Another episode of You Make Me Sick. Uh, today, a uh, very special guest, uh, John Peltier. Uh, John, uh, he's a fellow Minna fan like I am. Uh, he was recently on the Kirk Minahan show. Uh, and he had mentioned uh, Ketamine, one of the uh, producers of the Kirk Minahan show, Andrew Augustus, uh, had the audacity to take 500 milligrams of THC in one sitting. Uh, and John was in there while he was actually under the influence of this. And they were kind of bringing up uh, just offhand what other drugs Gus would be willing to take. John brought up Ketamine and everybody was kind of taken back by that. Like Ketamine, what the hell? Uh, but uh, John uh, takes Ketamine for depression. So a lot of people uh, probably don't realize that ketamine is actually very potent in treating depression. It's a relatively new treatment for depression. Uh, it's only been around, uh, it's been studied since around the year 2000, but only in the last four or five years has it actually been adopted uh, as practice for treating depression. So uh, first, welcome, John. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for having me. Oh, very. Hey, I'm happy to have anybody on, um, especially to talk about mental health stuff. It's something that doesn't get talked about a lot. And especially, like I said, this is a cutting edge treatment. So hopefully we can kind of this may be, a, you know, an avenue to help some people who have had a really hard time with depression and uh, who haven't really been able to find decent treatment for it. Uh, so, like I said, it, if there's anything that I ask that's too personal, let me know. Um, it, it takes a lot of guts to come on and kind of just tell people personally about any kind of health issues. So thank you for that. Uh, my first question is, how long have you been diagnosed with depression? Uh, I've been diagnosed probably about 25, 30 years ago. Okay. Um, doing kind of a self-diagnostic, I've probably been depressed, you know, all of my life. I remember being like in the ninth grade and, you know, being really depressed. Um, I've never had a suicide attempt never been hospitalized for it um <laughs> sorry about that I don't know uh, but I, I've I've had suicidal ideations I've, I've never acted upon them uh I could say maybe twice in my life that I went on to the internet and said you know looked up what's mm -hmm. the best way to go yeah. uh, but never acted upon it so, yeah, so with regard to depression, so there's a couple of types of depression. So there's major depressive disorder, and then there's a secondary one called treatment-resistant depression. And usually the treatment-resistant depression, those are people who have the same symptoms as people with the major depressive disorder, but they have far more severe symptoms, they last longer, and can also sometimes bring up a suicidal ideation. Um, depression, it's very prevalent uh, in our society, especially. Um, I was curious, I was wondering when you were diagnosed too, because you're an older gentleman. Uh, how old are you, John? If you don't mind I'm me 62. asking. No, nope, not okay, at all. Yeah. So you've had depression for a while, but even in older adults, um, adults over the age of 50, uh, about almost 8% report having current depression and about 15% reported a lifetime diagnosis of depression of that 8%. So even people who are diagnosed later in life have usually had that depression for a long time and just never had it diagnosed. So... A um, couple other things related to depression, especially with suicidality. Uh, you know, every year there's almost 50,000 deaths related to suicide and depression, uh, which is pretty crazy. That's about almost 15 people for every 100,000 have either contemplated or tried suicide. Uh, and there's about 15 million physicians' office every year that are just kind of diagnosed just for depression. So depression, very prevalent in our society. So 
something that a long time ago wasn't talked about at all in the last, like I said, maybe 15 to 20 years, uh, people have been really more open about it, uh, which has kind of opened up avenues to try and find new treatments for it too. So, so prior to the ketamine, did you try any other kind of like pharmacological treatments? Did you try Zoloft or, uh, you know, any other SSRIs, anything like that? You name it, I've been on it. I've, just, I've tried uh, and, and over think, 40 different meds. Really? All right. Yeah. So there's about 10% of Americans actually take antidepressants right now. What's crazy is with antidepressants, they really, they are, they're not effective for everybody. It's only about 40 to 50% of people who actually find uh, some kind of improvement with antidepressant medication, which is pretty crazy when you think about how many people are taking it and how many people actually see results from it. So how did you find out about ketamine as an option? Uh, I, I, you know, I, I had seen a doctor for about maybe like 15, 20 years and, you know, tried all these different combinations. And I just basically said nothing's working. I, well, I'd have stuff that would work. Like Prozac was probably the most effective, uh, but it wane off, you know, after six months, a year. Mm-hmm. So I, I basically gave up. Uh, not sure what the, uh, what the timeline was, but I, 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 when TMS, which is transmagnetic, uh, cranial stimulation came sure. along, I tried that, but at the time insurance wasn't covering it. Uh, I did like 10 treatments. Then that was the end of my, uh, financial situation that I could do it. So it had limited success. I probably needed more treatments. I think I went back to a different psychiatrist, tried some more drug options, same results. Um, I I would always pop up, you know, what's the latest in depression meds? Um, You know, so TMS came up, which I tried. And then uh, I looked at ketamine. I was looking at uh, trying to get into studies for different options, but uh, about... Three, three and a half years ago, I tried TMS again, and they had, uh, I think it was 36 treatments, which was helpful, but after a couple of months, it waned off. Yeah. And due to insurance, I couldn't go back in with that. Um, so I, uh, you know, kept on looking. Uh, I looked at ketamine about three years ago and tried to get in and, and uh, with insurance, uh, it, it was like uh, fighting, you know, the, the hardest battle in my life. So I basically gave up, and then a lot of stuff happened. My parents got sick. I was in the middle of a divorce or getting knowing I was going to get divorced. Yeah. I was with the kids, uh, dealing with an alcoholic brother. So it... it it got crazy, so I, I said I got to do something, um, and I was with Cigna Insurance, and they uh, had a program that they sent me a letter about, uh, which was like a life coach. But the girl happened to be have a psychiatric nursing background, and I talked to her about ketamine, and she said, "Let me look into it." She got me. It's actually not a mental health treatment in insurance. It, it's uh, the other kind of, you know, a regular insurance. Just for, yeah, for medical treatment of. Yeah. yeah. So it's 
So she got me there. And after talking to a couple of people in the insurance company, I finally got someone who said, all right, let's get started. And I found uh, a program in Dedham Mass, uh, Dedham Consulting. Uh, and the girl there was extremely helpful. And I said, look, can you talk to the insurance company? Because if I get in the middle, you know, <laughs> that's I don't know. All the... up, right. Yeah. So that's how I got set up with it. And, and uh, it, it, I started in, I believe it was January or February of uh, 2022. Uh, and it started off. Uh, the treatment I'm doing is called Spravato. There are two kinds you can do. You can do Spravato, which is nasal spray. Mm-hmm. And there's also uh, IV infused. I believe I looked into the IV infused. There was a place in Needham, Mass, uh, but they do not accept insurance. And I think the insurance company doesn't cover IV. Yeah. It's, are you able to hear me? Sorry, I think my mic is messing up. Can you yeah, hear I me? Can. Okay. Yep. I'm good. All right, for whatever reason here, sorry, I just want to make sure that uh, I'm able to, all right, there we go, sorry. Yeah, so uh, what did you know about ketamine prior to all this? Had you heard about it just as far as being a street drug, or uh, did you have any kind of uh, idea exactly what ketamine did? Um, not other than, you know, what I had looked up, um, you know, I never knew it as a street drug, but, you know, I, I, I had heard of it. Um, never, never did it before. I mean, I did, uh, take marijuana and do cocaine as, as a youth. Um, (laughs) but I never did anything like acid or or, or ketamine like that. So I was basically at wit's end. I, I, I just said this to my therapist, uh, last week. I said, if I didn't do ketamine, I don't think I'd be standing here today with all the things that were going on in my life. Yeah, it sounds like you had a lot going on. It's, uh, I'm glad yeah. that you were able to find a treatment that has actually been working for you. Um, so a little bit about ketamine. So it was actually, it was first created back in the early 60s, so 1962. And it's actually very structurally similar to PCP. So uh, phenylcyclidine, which was initially created as an anesthetic, but uh, PCP is a big street drug, uh, you know, angel dust, dust, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but they both kind of work the same way. They work on uh, these neuroreceptors called NMDA receptors. And the way it kind of works is uh, ketamine kind of quiets these receptors, but uh, it also stimulates firing of other neurons and other areas of the brain. And this is kind of how it works on depression. So depending on the dose of ketamine, a lower dose will kind of work to kind of quiet those, those neuroreceptors, help stimulate other areas in the brain. And there's a thing called neuroplasticity. And this is the brain's ability to kind of create new connections between synapses. And what ketamine has a unique ability to do is it kind of helps create these synapses in the area of the brain that kind of helps, you know, it's the reward center almost. So it makes you feel better. So it's, it's one of these unique things where it, uh, it's, and it's kind of, when you get into the neuroscience of it, it seems contradictory because the, the kind of the NMDA receptors, by quieting those, you wouldn't think that you'd get the kind of antidepressive effects, but it kind of works on multiple systems in the brain to, to promote that. And that's kind of the, you know, ketamine is an anesthetic, <clears throat> excuse me, is, you know, it's still used today a lot in hospitals. I work in an ICU. We actually use it quite a bit for analgesia. 
but the doses we use it at uh, are a lot higher. It's like one milligram per kilogram of body weight to uh, one and a half milligrams per kilogram of body weight. Whereas the dose for depression is usually about a half milligram, depending on how you take it. That's IV. Uh, do you know what your, your dosage is for your intranasal spray? Uh, I, I believe it's 83 milligrams. Okay. Yeah. So different routes. If you were to take it orally, uh, you'd need about three times what the IV dose would be um, because it would have to be metabolized in the liver. Uh, you can take it sublingually. So it's almost like a dissolving tablet you can take, or you can take it intranasally. So those require higher doses because it's not the bioavailability of the actual drug is less than if you get an IV, but it's definitely weight-based and that's like the therapeutic range. Um, do you, when you do take it, so do you take it at home or do you go into the clinic to have it done? Like how do you self-administer? Um, no, you have to go into the clinic uh, that you cannot pick up the medicine. It, it gets delivered right to the doctor's office. You have to be there for two hours uh, as part of their protocol. Um, they take your blood pressure before, middle and after, because that's one of the side effects, high okay. blood pressure. Um, and how it works, it, it's, it's a vial, you just, it's three vials of 27 milligrams, I think, or somewhere in that neighborhood. And every five minutes you do a vial and up each nostril, um, and how it works here for me, and I guess it's different for everyone. Um, it's just. I would assume being on an acid trip, uh, you're there for like, you know, you do the third vial and, and like 20 minutes later, you're, it's almost like for me looking into my brain, you're, I was, you're yeah, seeing... so I was going to ask you, so there's, so some of the side effects that people have, so there's the, you know, there is the hypertension that you can get, you can get a fast heart rate, which usually subsides about 20 minutes, half an hour after taking it. Um, but then there's kind of, there's these they're called psychomimetic symptoms. And that's kind of like disassociation or hallucinations. It's almost like an out-of-body exactly. experience that you can find. Yep. <laughs> and that's something with uh, typically with lower doses, you can get that. Uh, and, and it's almost kind of, it can be kind of euphoric and weird with the higher doses. If you were to give somebody twice what you're getting right now, you may have those same effects, but you would probably also be, I wouldn't say comatose, but you probably wouldn't be able to move your motor function to be less. So that's kind of where the, you know, there's that fine line of how much to give. But that, yeah, I was going to ask you if you end up with those, that kind of disassociation, kind of almost out-of-body experience, looking down on yourself, uh, almost, like, almost like a dreamlike state. Yep. Um, and that lasts for about 20 to 30 minutes. And then for another, I'd say, 20 to 30 minutes, you have kind of a, 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 the motor skills are gone, almost like feeling drunk, like I've, I've gone up and tried to go to the bathroom and it's like, it's pretty funny. The receptionist is looking at you. You know, she's seen it before, but, you know, you're kind of stumbling. Um, and then that lasts for about, same, about 20, 30 minutes. And then you, I won't say you feel 100%, uh, but you feel pretty normal. And you're not supposed to uh, drive. Yeah. You know, you're supposed to get a ride there and a ride home. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, ketamine is interesting because it's one of those drugs that uh, even though you have those side effects, it has a really quick half-life, So it's which essentially means uh, how long it takes to metabolize the drug. And it's relatively short, which is why you have that kind of quick onset of you know all those, those symptoms. Uh, do you ever hallucinate or is it just kind of the, the disassociation effect with you? 
Uh, it's disassociation and, and just, uh, I would say, hallucinations. Uh, I mean, you know, like I can start thinking of, say, Superman, and I can start seeing Superman in my brain. <laughs> I'll see. But the first time I did it, I was I was listening to the Kirk Minahan podcast, and it sounded like Kirk Minahan and Blind Mike were legitimately in my head. <laughs> and one of the doctors next door in the office next door, you know, the door was shut. Both our doors were shut, but I could hear him. And it sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher was wah, 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 wah. So uh, the doctor said, maybe you should listen to some, like, meditation music. And, that's <laughs> and, and it can vary in effect, I think, you know, depending upon what I'm listening, what meditation music I'm listening to or you know, sometimes I'll be on my phone and, you know, the writing's like, looks like it's an inch. <laughs> so it, it's pretty wild. It, it, it gets a little scary at times, you know, some of the stuff you're seeing. Sure. Um, I mean, I don't look forward to it, but I don't, I don't, you know, hate it. Well, especially um, if the know. results are worth, you know, the, the half an hour, 45 minutes of, uh, you know, that kind of that kind of state that you're in, it's it's probably definitely worth it. And I think that's I should also bring up that's why this is done in a clinic. They do have, I guess, there are people can take prescriptions at home, but with the same precautions that you have in the clinic, no driving, under supervision. Um, I don't know how often they check their vital signs there, but uh, you know, it's still it's it's a drug with a very a pretty good safety profile as far as the side effects from it. But you definitely because of as you were just saying the state that you were in, there's no way you could really do any kind of operating of especially a motor vehicle. But even walking, you said was difficult. So yeah, and um, as far as whether it's working or not, I mean, uh, Janssen is the company who manufactures it. One of the things. Uh, they have is it's called Janssen Care program that I got in, involved in. So for the medicine, it's only a ten dollar copay, which is that's all for, for you know that class of drug that's brand new. Yep. You know, I, I would imagine you'd be paying sixty or more dollars for a copay. Uh, as far as you know, depression, I, I can honestly say that you know from a financial standpoint probably cost me my marriage, you know? So if you're looking at it financially, um, even if you would had to pay out of pocket, and I know it would be difficult for many people, just look at the financial cost that depression has caused someone like myself or, or even your, uh, whoever has it yourself who has it. And, and, you know, think about some of the things it's cost you in your life. Well said, John. I think that's important to think that, you know, it's it, the way that depression, you know, can work and affect people because it really it can shut you off from all kinds of things. And I mean, the financial aspect as well, like all these things. And it, I'm sorry that it cost you your marriage, too. It sucks. Um, and so, I, like, you know, I'm not saying that's the only thing, but I, I know it was a big contributing factor. Yeah. So I, another question I have, I guess, like, so you said you've been doing it since 2022. Yeah, it, 24 will be two years. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. And do you have your treatments? Is it every week that you go or is it twice a week? Um, it started off uh, tw uh, twice a week for a month, then once a week for a month. Then it went to every other week, 
and then it went to uh, every month. I just dropped down to every third week because I was feeling a little, you know, and it's not, I don't want to tell anyone it's the magical bullet that's, you know, you still have to do the work. I mean, well, I know if, if I don't do things like exercise, yep. um, it, it, I get down. Um, you know, I, I've been, I'm on my ninth therapist. So I, I wasn't <laughs> doing therapy for a long time, uh, probably a couple of years. And uh, I just started maybe like two months ago at the suggestion of my girlfriend, Joanne. So, uh, you know, that's working well, out. We are well. Yeah. Not a big talk. Thank you, Joanne. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's something else I kind of want to bring up is that uh, it's it, the medication itself. Probably it works well in creating those, uh, those new neuronal synapses and the ability for your brain to kind of almost get that new circuitry. But you also have to do the things to promote that good mental health. These really like kind of antidepressive, uh, activities. So uh, exercise is right. A uh, daily routine, try to get sunshine, eating right. Uh, even little things like socializing, things that people who have, you know, depressive disorders have a hard time doing. You know, once you kind of your brain, it, once that reward center starts firing again, you're able to get out there and do those things. It's kind of, it, it's a, you know, a double-edged sword. I'm going to say double-edged sword. It's more like a, you know, a two-lane highway. I don't know. I, I don't have a good analogy for it, but you need to do those things that are good for your mental health while getting the treatment as well along with having, uh, you know, psychotherapy. So uh, seeing somebody and, and still talking about it. Um, there have been studies that have shown that just if you just have the treatment without these things, the results just aren't as good. So because you're still physiologically having that change, but mentally, if you're not taking advantage of that, you're not going to see the best results you can. Right. And, and one of the other things that the insurance company, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I want to say insisted upon, that I did take it with a uh, an antidepressant, which I am. I'm, I'm taking generic Prozac. Yeah, um, I consider that one of the best, the most useful drugs that I had taken in the past. Yeah, and I think that's that it seems pretty common in like a lot of the kind of the literature that I was reading regarding the ketamine with the treatments that they're usually prescribed with uh, another anti oral antidepressant. So that seems like it's fairly commonplace. So that even though you have the ketamine, you also have that other, whether it's a SSRI or some other antidepressant to also kind of help bolster uh, in aiding in depression. So, yeah, I know when, uh, when I was doing TMS, they wanted to put me on an antidepressant, but I was kind of like, I don't want to because I've done them all. And I don't know if that was my downfall with TMS. Uh, it may have been. I mean, like I said, only about forty to fifty percent of people really react or have a you know some kind of improvement with those antidepressants anyway. And especially if you've been dealing with this for a long time, like who knows how effective they would be uh, with or without. Right. So, but yeah, the ketamine seems to work well. It's funny too because beyond depression, ketamine is actually being used in the same similar way uh, with these therapeutic doses to treat uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, anxiety, PTSD. Uh, certain substance abuse disorders they're using it for. They're using it for eating disorders. Uh, and they'll also, now they're trying to do uh, like palliative care. So oftentimes uh, at end of life, people who are on palliative care or hospice, uh, they'll try and they'll start them on antidepressants. But antidepressants can take weeks to work. So they're actually starting to kind of initiate ketamine as something at end of life to also give just as kind of, you know, mood enhancer. Uh, because it doesn't take as long as these typical antidepressants to start to work. 
So it's a uh, pretty good. It's good for for SI, as you said. You had some SI. You never attempted suicide, but that's also something that uh, they've seen uh, improvement with as well as people who have severe SI. The ketamine seems to work really well for them. Yeah, I know uh, myself when right before I started this, I I every five minutes I was uh, you know saying wish I was dead yeah. or I saw. Well, I don't think you suck. I think you're great. John. I appreciate you coming on. I want to get to a, maybe one or two more things here. Um, have you, so you were, you've been on the Kirk Minahan show a couple of different times. Um, Kirk has been really open about his fight with depression, uh, his suicidal ideation. Uh, he's actually been uh, in mental health institutes and uh, he's kind of uh, gone back and forth. Uh, never really talked about treatment he's had. Have you ever talked to him about ketamine or about him at, at trying to get ketamine? I don't know if he has ever been even offered the option, but uh, it seems like something that if he's tried everything else might actually work for him. Um, I, I, I did at, at the John Stewart Memorial. Um, I talked to him a little bit about it and, and, and told him, um, you know, I told him about the hallucinogenic effects and he didn't seem to keen on them um, so uh, you know he didn't say he didn't tell me not that even if he did tell me i wouldn't tell you what he no yeah did. that's yeah that's i, I you know in confidence I, I appreciate that yeah i should have brought that up before you you don't have to say it but i, just, I was just wondering if you'd ever mention it to him as far as because uh, of he did, but you know he didn't mention anything yeah. about his treatment yeah so I, I just thought that was interesting because it's something that, you know, for as like you were saying, it was kind of a, you know, last ditch effort for you when you were trying to find help. So um, I think, you know, I, that's about I, most of the questions that I had for you. I was just kind of curious because it's like I said, this is relatively new. Uh, it's something the FDA just approved the esketamine in 2019. I remember I was working as a nurse. I used to work on a burn unit and we would get patients quite frequently, I would say quite frequently, but once in a while who would try to kill themselves by self-immolation. So they light themselves on fire. Uh, it rarely worked. So you have people who are suicidal and then they try to kill themselves and it doesn't work. And now they're usually uh, have to deal with disfigurement and years of surgeries and it's, and they're still depressive. And I remember one of our psychiatrists started trying ketamine on these patients. And I remember one gentleman in particular, it was one of the first cases that I ever saw where they used ketamine for depression. And about a year later, um, this patient returned and came back to see us and he was doing so much better and he no longer had SI and had a new outlook on life. And it was essentially because he was still doing the ketamine, which was, this was probably 2017, 2018. So it was still probably relatively experimental at the time. But uh, and that's when I first had heard about it myself. So when you brought it up, I was like, oh, wow. So I had to look into it a little bit more and see if it was actually if it had made further advancements. So I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I asked my doctor how many people he's treated. Uh, he said between 20 and 25. He said the success rate is w what they claim, about 75 percent. Mm -hmm. um, he said as far as, uh, you know, uh, side effects uh he said you know it, it's strange some people just sleep right through it he said i've had like a 90 pound woman that i thought would be you know really have hallucinations out of body experience and then you know you'll he said i've had these huge guys that are 250 pounds 
and they have kind of the experience I have. <laughs> so, yeah, everybody reacts differently to it. That's like a lot of drugs. It's it's drugs, yeah. it's kind of a crapshoot, you know, depending what you take and when you take it and how much of it too. So, and that's the other thing with body weight too. Sometimes you get a person with more body weight; they're going to need a larger dose, and uh, sometimes that larger dose is just enough to push them over the edge. But uh, mm -hmm. I guess yeah. I guess one other thing to mention is kind of uh, more about the receptors that, uh, that ketamine works on. The NMDA receptors are kind of one of the primary ones. There's other pathways. One is the opioid receptors as well. Uh, people are familiar with the opioid crisis and this and that. We have opioid receptors in our brains. They're naturally occurring. Um, our body makes chemicals that they react to. But it's one of the other ones that ketamine works on. Uh, it's why it works really well as an anesthetic and an analgesic, why we can use it for pain. But uh, there were studies that were shown that uh, the NMDA receptors alone aren't responsible for the antidepressive effects, but these opioid receptors as well. And it's still not 100% known uh, completely why this is, but just to bring that up, uh, you know, just as another kind of nerdy thing, uh, another receptor that uh, ketamine works on to kind of aid in antidepressive behavior is the opioid receptors as well. Anyway, <laughs> on that, John, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, like I said, it, it's not easy for people to come on and talk about their personal lives. Um, I know there'll probably only be about 75 people who will watch this anyway. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it, it's something that I appreciate. Uh, anybody else out there who wants to come on and share their story, I'm always open to talk about whatever. So, uh, John, once again, I appreciate it. Um, I hope that uh, mental health-wise, you continue to do great. Uh, I'm, I'm encouraged that the ketamine is working for you. And, uh, you know, just hope that uh, things go well for you in the future. Okay, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, not a problem, John. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you again for tuning in. Uh, like I said, we'll be posting this. This will be on the uh, KMS network on YouTube. And then uh, you can also find it... Uh, uh, you Make Me Sick podcast uh, that is on iTunes and Spotify, most uh, most podcast providers. It'll be up there uh, probably in the next day or two. But, uh, John, thank you very much again. I appreciate it. Uh, take care, and uh, hopefully I'll talk to you later, all right? Okay, great. Thanks. All right. Bye. 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 I do not envy you the headache you will have when you awake. But in the meantime, rest well and dream of larger women. Mm.